invite you to turn to John's Gospel, John chapter 14, 15 and 16. John chapter 14, 15 and 16. And let me give you a, a set the context here. That if you've been following uh, along in this series, you would know where we are at. But in case you're, um, you haven't, just a reminder of where we are in this passage. John chapter 13, Jesus is in Jerusalem. This is days before he is going to the cross. He had just washed his disciples' feet in chapter 13. Judas... Um, has been identified by Jesus to John as the one who is going to betray him. Judas is now departed, and it's just Jesus and the other 11 disciples. They're in the upper room, and in John chapter 13, the end of 13 through 14, 15, and 16, you have this farewell discourse. Jesus has spoken of his departure. He's going to leave. And there's really two senses to this. He's going to depart. He's going to depart in that he's going to be arrested and crucified in just a matter of hours at this point. But he is also, even though he's going to rise from the dead and appear to his disciples, he is going to depart again into the heavens. And so what Jesus is addressing here is his departure. He needs the disciples to be aware of what is about to, go, what is about to happen to him in his crucifixion. He needs to give them some advance warning of what's going to happen. But he's also telling them of the, what he is going to do to prepare them for when he is gone, when he ascends into heaven at the Father's right hand. So think of John chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16 of Jesus uh, helping, his, helping his disciples to process his leaving. It had spoken early of his love for them, and now he was going to love them completely or to the fullest. And one of the ways he does this is by telling him what's going to happen to him and what he's going to promise to send them. And so this passage is dealing with the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. So our, the passage today will be 14... John 14, beginning in verse 15 through 31. Then we're going to jump to John 15, verse 26 and 27, and then continue reading through to John 16, verse 15. So if you have your Bibles, beginning in John 14, verse 15, Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. To be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells within you, with you, and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. 
In that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You've heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. And then John 15, verse 26. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said all of these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. 
All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare to you. This is the reading of God's word. And we say, thanks be to God. Indeed, as I had said, this is the words of Jesus concerning the Holy Spirit. And again, I ask that God would grant his Holy Spirit today so that we would not be talking about the Holy Spirit without sensing his power and his presence here with us this morning. A couple of things to guide us in this. I have three larger sections. I, I just um, was able to uh, virtually attend a Puritan conference this past week. It was very was wonderful. I actually was able to, even though I watched it, it wasn't on location in California. Um, I got to see many different speakers come and preach uh, about the Puritans and preach like the Puritans. And if you know anything about the Puritans, they had long outlines, like, and point 37, you know, or things like that, okay? And I thought, okay, well, I'll do that today. I'll have a whole bunch of points and a crazy outline that nobody will be able to follow. I will try to make it so that you can follow. So I have three big headings that I want to talk about the Holy Spirit, and that is the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, the title for the Holy Spirit as presented in this passage, and then the works of the Holy Spirit, and those I'll have slides for, and those will be subpoints for it. So here's the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, okay? The doctrine of the Holy Spirit, and we just saw this in our question in our Baptist catechism. What is God? Uh, God is a spirit. So God himself is a spirit. He's infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. Um, but there is also a person in the Godhead. God the Father is one. God the Son is the other. And God the Holy Spirit. And God the Holy Spirit is also God. Same in essence, equal in power and glory. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 3, do you not know that you are God's temple? Okay, this is what he's drawing here. Is he wants to go back. Go back and picture Old Testament Israel, the dwelling place of God, the temple of God, which is where his presence would come down and descend. Or when it was in the tabernacle in the wilderness, there was the pillar of cloud and then the pillar of fire. God's presence was set to dwell inside of the Holy of Holies above the, the ark above the mercy seat. You want to catch that and want to remember that because the Apostle Paul says, do you not know that you are God's temple? You don't need to go to the temple in Jerusalem anymore, church of God. You are the temple. And then he says this, and God's spirit dwells in you. So in a similar way, he's saying that that structure where God is set to dwell with his presence, that's what the Holy Spirit is to us. The Holy Spirit is God. In Acts, the story about Ananias and Sapphira, remember, where they held back some of what they said, we're selling this property and we're going to give you all of it. And they're like, they only gave like 80%. They kept some of it for themselves. And Peter confronts them on this and he goes, Ananias, how, how, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? To keep back the proceeds, part of the proceeds of the land. He said, when it was unsold, it was yours. You could do whatever you want. You, had, you were under no obligation to give. But you said you would give. You said you would give all of it, and you didn't give all of it. So you are lying. You lied to the Holy Spirit, he says. And then in the next verse, he goes, you've not lied to man. You've lied to God. The Holy Spirit is God. He has the attributes of God. 
Hebrews 9 speaks of him as the eternal spirit. Remember, God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. The spirit is described as eternal. The spirit was hovering over the waters at creation. The spirit is described as omnipresent. Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit? The spirit is described as omniscient. The apostle Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, these things, this gospel, this mystery of the gospel, God has revealed to us through the spirit. For the spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Wow. He goes on to make an analogy in the next verse. He goes, for who knows a person's thoughts? Who knows a person's thoughts except that person? Who knows your thoughts? I mean, maybe you have a spouse who knows you really well and can tell what you're thinking. Can look at your face. My wife can look at my face. I can tell what she's thinking. I can look at hers, you know. But that takes years. But, but you're, there's deep, like, thoughts that you have that really you only have access to. You're the only ones who can plumb the depths of. He says, who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of the person in them? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God, the mind of God, except the spirit of God. And he's not doing this as some sort of outside agent. He's doing this because he's God. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. We could go on and on, but I wanted to stress the doctrine of who we're talking about here. This is the Holy Spirit. And Jesus gives a title for the Holy Spirit here in this, this passage. And it's really, it's kind of a, in a way, it's a shame. It's the only place that it's described, that he is described this way in all of the Bible. And that is this word that the ESV has as helper. So let me give you the Greek word for this. Because there's actually some commentaries that will actually refer to the Holy Spirit with this Greek word. And the Greek word is this, and I'll spell it for you. Uh, I'll pronounce it for you. Parakletos. Janet's not here, so I'm going to make you say it. Parakletos. Parakletos. Did you hear that, Janet? <laughs> On the recording. Parakletos, which is, which is actually a combination. It means to, uh, to, to call alongside. The para is like kind of alongside. And the kaleo is the verb idea here. And so it's to somebody who is called alongside of another. Four times it's used in this passage. Five times it's used in the entire New Testament. But four times it's used in this passage. And, and I'll just tell you the other place. 1 John chapter 1. Uh, excuse me. 1 John chapter 2 verse 1. Is the other place that it is used. There it is used of the Holy Spirit. Or excuse me. In 1 John chapter 2 verse 1. It is used of Jesus himself. In his role as the one who is interceding for us in the heavens at the right hand of God. We'll get to this passage in a moment. But four times it's used, five times it's used in the Bible, one time it's used for Jesus as our advocate, our parakletos, but four other times it's used here, which makes sense of what we read in verse 16. I will ask the Father, Jesus says, and he will give you another helper. <laughs> well, you... When you say another, who's the first one? Jesus is referring to himself as the first one, which is why the author of this gospel ends up writing later that the other one is Jesus himself. We'll get to it in this more in a moment. 
Other ways that it's translated, comforter. Does anybody have any other translations here, NIV, something or other? Counselor. Advocate. That's my favorite one. That's one I like, advocate. Um, but there, it, it really is, and I, I looked at some of the, the Greek lexicons and commentaries, they're like, there's aspects of all of it as like a consoler or comforter that comes alongside to console you. And it, he's, he's that, but he's more than that. It, it's, is he coming alongside to help you? You know, just kind of lift up your hand, carry you along. He's that, he's more than that. I like the advocate one because now he's not only coming alongside to help you, but he's like, he's your, he's like a counselor, not as in like a, you know, like a spiritual counselor or, you know, psychological counselor, but it, think of it as almost like a legal counsel, my legal counsel. I'm, you know, don't say anything in the, in the court, like, uh, here's what you could say. I, I'm going to guide you in this whole process of what to say, how to behave and all of those things. So it kind of this full orbed picture. But advocate is the one I like. I go through and mark that. I would change it that way. You could write that down if you would like. This is the title that Jesus gives. Helper, advocate, comforter, consoler, counselor. And what's very interesting here is that there's a couple of the pronouns that Jesus uses for him at the very beginning, like the whom in chapter 14 are neuter. But clearly, five times it uses pronouns for him in chapters 15 and 16 are masculine pronouns. This is, a, this is a person. He's not a spirit. He's a person. The spirit can be grieved. The spirit can be lied to, for instance. So he's the advocate, helper, but he's also the spirit of truth, and he's also called the Holy Spirit. So that's the doctrine of the Holy Spirit and then the title of the Holy Spirit in this passage. But now we're going to look at the works of the Holy Spirit that Jesus gives. And again, in this context, Jesus is not giving the entire doctrine of the Holy Spirit here, but he's giving them the doctrine of the person, the coming of the Holy Spirit. Now, I need to point out that the Holy Spirit has eternally existed throughout all history. You know, um, where can I go and flee from your, your spirit? Psalm 51, which we sang today in our Psalter, um, cast not your spirit from me. The Holy Spirit has been present throughout the entire scriptures, but in the New Testament, in the New Testament, New Covenant age, he comes in a very special and unique role in a unique way. Jesus doesn't give the whole picture to them, but he's saying to them, as he's departing, here's what you need to know, and here's what we need to know. First, the Holy Spirit indwells Jesus' people. And in a very real sense, the Holy Spirit is, not that Jesus is replaceable, but, Jesus, but the Holy Spirit is the substitute for Jesus here. Notice verse 14, chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. Verse 15, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, the parakletos, to be with you forever. And then notice what he says here, even the spirit of truth. And when they say even, this is like the old King James would say like, yay. This is like saying like, you know, even is like saying not that it's another person, you know, there's the helper and then the Holy Spirit is something different. It's saying this, 
these are the same person. Indeed, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. He dwells with you and will be in you. And he's in you, meaning his people, Jesus' people, the ones who love him and the ones who believe in him and who have as consequentially follow him and obey him and do what he says. The, the spirit is rejected by the world, he says there in verse 17. But he dwells in and with you. And this is actually, Jesus is telling them and reminding them that this is actually a fulfillment of the prophecy of the, in the Old Testament, especially in Ezekiel, about the, fulfilling, the, the, the fulfillment of the new covenant. Ezekiel 36 and 37. I encourage you to read those. 36 verse 27 where the Lord says, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So Ezekiel 36, next chapter, he says the same thing. And I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So the Holy Spirit indwells Jesus' people. Second one's related to that. The Holy Spirit or the Advocate unites. Did I spell that right? Unites? Was it? Okay. You ever get those words that you just look at and you're like, that doesn't look right? Oh, it is right. Okay. The Advocate unites Jesus' people to the Father and the Son. So this is similar, related to the first one about indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit just doesn't indwell us without the connection to the other persons of the Godhead. This is so important. Notice that the Holy Spirit is sent. The Holy Spirit's mission is, is, um, is connected to the work of the Father and the Son because this is just, there really is a sense in which there's a cooperative that's happening in the Godhead to bring Jesus' people in connection with God the Father through the Son. And the Holy Spirit plays a key role in that. Notice chapter 14, verse 26. But the helper, the advocate, in whom he says here, earlier he had said the spirit of truth. Now he says the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you and bring to your remembrance all that I have said. Notice chapter 15, verse 26. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness about me because you have been with me from the beginning. Okay, so notice this is stressing the fact that he's sent from the Father and through the Son. At the, at the behest of the Son, the Holy Spirit now comes to the Father. The Holy Spirit comes to us from the Father. And then notice how the, what he does is unites us into that Godhead. Back to chapter 14, verse 17, called the spirit of truth. The world can't know, but he dwells in you and is with you. And then notice in verse 19 and 20, yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. 
Notice the connection between the work of the Spirit, the Helper, the sending of the Helper to come and to say that Jesus is in the Father, that we are in Jesus, and that Jesus is in us. The oper- what's the operative thing that's making all of that happen? The advocate that he has to dwell within us unites us to the Father. The Holy Spirit is is a seal upon us and a guarantee of our redemption and unites us to God. This is so important because there's so so much in our day in the last century or so, there's been a whole lot of monkey business about the, the work of the Holy Spirit, like it could be taken on a stage and then thrown around, or like it's in my coat and I wave my coat around. No. Proper understanding of the Holy Spirit is it's the person of the third person of the Trinity in you that is glorifying Christ in you, is drawing you to Christ, who is at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And now you are united to the Father through the Son because of the Holy Spirit that's given to you as a deposit and a seal within you. It's important to remember that we have the Spirit of God dwelling in us that unites us to the Father. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. The Apostle Paul says, And he who has put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee, could be translated as a down payment. I have a daughter who's getting married next Next May, ish. I don't. We, they got a date set. I don't know. I mean, I'm out of the loop. Um, but we we just recently had to put down a down payment on a location of where we were going to have the ceremony. And I have been lobbying since they were children to just have it in the backyard. I could grill burgers. We could do that. Um, how many of the dads are like? Sounds good to me. Yeah. All right. <laughs> How many of the moms are like, you don't understand. This is, your, this is my daughter's day. I could, you could, can you tell Jan it's not here? Um, so, the big, so we had to pay the initial down payment. Don't get it back. Don't get it back. It's not rescinded. Can't be rescinded. The Holy Spirit is like that. The Apostle Paul says that, that God has given us his spirit as it's that guarantee. It's that deposit. It is, and we're laying it down saying, boom, the redemption that you're going to give when Christ comes back or you, you are called home, that's yours. It's all yours. And he seals this. I love this. He goes on a little bit later in 2 Corinthians 5 and says this, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God who has given us, his, us the spirit as a guarantee. He says it again. Or in 1 Corinthians, or excuse me, Ephesians chapter 1, in that beautiful hymn, doxological hymn of all of Ephesians chapter 1, which is all one long sentence in the Greek, in verses 13 and 14, it says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. 
amazing, isn't it? When you heard the word of truth, God opened your ears. He took out the heart of stone and gave you a heart of flesh. He took you in your deadness to God and made you alive. Now you have eyes to see, you now have ears to hear, and you heard the word of truth, you heard the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in him. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, the one spoken of even in the Old Testament. So the Spirit dwells within you and unites you to the Father and to the Son. Isn't that amazing? Number three, the Spirit bears witness to and about Jesus. The work of the Holy Spirit is to keep pointing us to Jesus, to his person, his works, to Jesus' words. Again, chapter 15, verse 26. But when the Helper, the Advocate, the Parakletos, comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, Spirit, Truth, he will bear witness about me. He will testify. Related to that, number four, is that he will bring the teaching of Jesus to the church. He will bring the teaching of Jesus to the church. Chapter 14, verse 26. But the helper, the advocate, the parakletos, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Skip to chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. When the spirit of truth comes, he doesn't use the word advocate here, but we know the context, this is who he's talking of. He will guide you into all the truth. And he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Notice the declarative ministry of the Holy Spirit. He will guide us into the words of Jesus. And since the Spirit of God is also the author of the scriptures, he will guide us to the truth of the scriptures. Right? The Apostle Peter says that men, you know, they did not come to their own interpretations of things, but they, were, they wrote as they were carried along by the Spirit. Okay? So what's important about these two things here is that some read this and then maybe on a superficial level catch a phrase or two there and think that the Holy Spirit is now the new teacher who's going to come and teach a whole bunch of new things. The Holy Spirit, like, and, and a lot of people approach that about the Holy Spirit. I'm just waiting for a new word from the Spirit. You heard this? Heard this kind of talk? I'm waiting for a new word from the Spirit. To which this, the advocate says, I've done my job. I, I don't come and give you a new word. Jesus explicitly said, he will teach you, he will bring the, to remembrance the things that I have said. He does not speak on his own authority as if he's the third person going rogue out here. And then we have access to him in, in some of these crazy church settings. It's like the Holy Spirit comes and teaching me a whole bunch of new stuff. 
Boy, really, the Spirit, and I've heard this before, the Spirit just, I feel like in my spirit, the Lord has, has caused this cute little young thing to be the, the one that I need to, to be with and, and not my, my spouse. That's, that's garbage. The Spirit's not going to come and give you some new revelation that's apart from Jesus' words, that is apart from what Jesus would command, that is apart from the scriptures that he inspires. If you're asking for the Spirit to do that kind of thing, you're inviting demons. You're not inviting the Holy Spirit of God, the advocate sent from the Father. He brings the teaching of Jesus to the church. And it's important to know here that Jesus, he specifically says here, I can't teach you everything. There's, there's too much that you can bear. I have many things to say to you in chapter 16, verse 12. Many things, but you cannot bear them all now. It's going to be hard enough to what you're going to have to experience, me being whipped and beaten and nailed to a cross and hung up to die. I can't tell you everything. But what I will tell you is that I'm going to send the advocate, the third person of the Trinity. Jesus doesn't say that, but when you come and look at the entire revelation of God in the scriptures, you know this is what he's speaking of. I will send the third person of the Trinity, and he's going to teach you. He's going to bring to remembrance all of, all of these words. How many times after the resurrection of Jesus or in the book of Acts or things like that, and then they remembered the words that Jesus said? Oh, I'm piecing it together now. That's the work of the Spirit. Not operating apart from the Scripture. He's saying, oh, you're, oh, so you are, ah, Jesus is, he is the Passover lamb. Oh, I get it now. Or like the writer of Hebrews, oh, Jesus is the great high priest. I'm seeing it. I'm putting it together now. That's the work of the Spirit. His word and Spirit only do it fully and effectually for the salvation of sinners. So that's number four. Number five, he empowers obedience to Christ's commands. Jesus had already issued this new command, right? We looked at that, the new command that Jesus had given. The previous chapter, chapter 13, verse 34, a new commandment I give you that you love one another. And you were, wait a second, we saw this. It's not a new commandment because the love the love your neighbor as yourself, that's in, the, that's in the Old Testament. That's a summary of the second table of the law. Oh, okay. Well, what's new about it? Well, the new about it is the standard has changed. It's not love your neighbor as yourself. The, the standard is now that you are to love as I have loved you. And so Jesus says, I have these commands that I give you. Chapter 14, verse 21. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Chapter 15, verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done to you. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. This is my commandment, chapter 15, verse 12, that you love one another as I have loved you. Chapter 15, verse 14, you are my friends. If you do what I command, these things I command you. That we must not miss that Jesus gives commands. But here, notice the relationship between the commands and the helper, the advocate. Notice verse 
15 and 16 in John 14. Notice the relationship here. If you love me, you will keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Verse 15, keep his commands, is followed by verse 16, the advocate. Did you catch that? What about this? Similarly, verse 23 and 24 is followed by 25 and 26. Verse 23, Jesus answered them, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the words that you hear are not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Verse 23 and 24 is followed immediately by, in the context, these things I have spoken to you while I was still with you. But the helper, the advocate, the parakletos, who will send in my name, he will teach you all things and to bring you to remembrance. Notice the connection here. And similarly, if you would, turn to 1 John chapter 2. I'd mentioned this earlier. 1 John chapter 2. Remember I had mentioned that the parakletos is five times in the, five times in the Bible, four times in, in these chapters that we read in John's gospel, and they all refer to the Holy Spirit. The other time it's used, the other helper, the other advocate, the other time it's used for Jesus... My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate. Now, I don't know why the ESV translated helper over here and then advocate here instead of translating it the same way every time. I, I think that might be helpful or at least capitalize it. I don't know. But we have an advocate with the Father who is that Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And then notice this. And, for, and by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. So the Holy Spirit, the advocate from the Father, empowers our obedience to Christ's commands. Jesus says, of my commands, they're not burdensome. When he creates in us a new heart by the Spirit, then we, we, would not, we wouldn't think of them as burdensome. We would think we love him for what he's done, and we, would, we want to do what he commands. But in a very real sense, God provides what he commands. He provides for us the power, and that comes by the work of the Holy Spirit in us. This is so important, and this ties in with some of these other, these other uh, works of the Holy Spirit here. We really have two paracletes, parakletos, two advocates, two helpers, one in heaven at the right hand of the Father, Jesus Christ. But Jesus, in his great love for us, the, the love of Christ in heaven for sinners on earth, is manifested in the work of the helper that we have on earth. We have a, a parakletos in heaven advocating for us, Jesus Christ the righteous at the right hand of the Father, and we have a parakletos with us here on earth, and that's the Holy Spirit. 
And then lastly, the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the parakletos, brings conviction of sin to the world. Remember, he's sent by the Father. But then he says this in verse, chapter 16, verse 8. And, he, and when he comes, this is another example of this masculine, masculine pronouns here. When he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. And it's this, Jesus says, there's more I could say. I, I just have to lay that out there. But here, we're reminded that the work of the Holy Spirit is the one who comes and brings conviction to the world. Remember, I quoted this just a moment ago. How do we know that there's a God? Well, the light of nature in man, the works of God, plainly declares that God, men, men are without apology when it comes to knowing the greatness and majesty and, and holiness of God. But to know him savingly, has to be done by his special revelation but his word and spirit only. Friends I know that many of us have people that we know that are unbelievers and I would pray and I think the Lord's been putting this on my heart that even there's neighbors just down the road that I'm like I wave, I talk I see, it's casual, superficial and I, I go you know what Lord if you would just open up the opportunity for me to share and I'll trust in your word I'll trust in your word and the work of the spirit in their hearts. Because that's really the only way that people, the miracle, the miracle of new life from the dead happens. Is that when faithful followers of Jesus faithfully speak his word and the spirit of God does the miraculous work in their hearts and brings them to Christ. This is the work of the advocate. As Jesus is going away, he has deep love for them and concern that as I'm going away, it's going to be traumatic. It's going to be hard. But just know that you're not left as orphans. First of all, I will come back. But second, I'm giving you the advocate, the spirit from the Father, from me, to be in you, to unite you to me, to testify about me, who will teach you all that I have taught you and will empower you to follow me and to share me with the world. That's Jesus' heart for his disciples here in this upper room and, and after the upper room as they leave. Notice John adds that little statement in there like, come, let's go. It's for them, but it's for us. It's for us too. Let's seek the help of the advocate in testifying to Christ and following Christ today. Let's stand for our closing prayer.
our gracious Heavenly Father, who out of the abundant love for us sent your one and only Son into human flesh to live righteously under your law and to redeem wretched sinners and bring us back to you. We thank you for this gospel and that for those of us who have turned in faith to Christ because, uh, turned to faith in Christ, professed his name and love and walk with him, we do so knowing that that is the work of the Holy Spirit in us. We thank you, Father, for reminding us in these words of your son Jesus that we do have an advocate who indwells us and empowers us and unites us to you. May we receive this truth with joy and gladness and we rely on this truth from your word to walk in the grace that you've shown us in Christ. May his power and his presence be in us and to work through us to the glory of the name of your son Jesus and all of God's people said Amen. Brothers and sisters, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship that we have in the Advocate, the Parakletos, the Holy Spirit, be with all of you as you go. Thank you.